Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. I'm Andre Gower. And I'm Ryan Lambert. And you're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to Rindler's Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2019 and beyond. I am a host, Brad. And I'm Zach. And I got a quick question for you, really quick. Does it feel weird saying Pop Culture Con instead of Denver Comic Con after so many years? It does. And I don't, like, it could have easily just done Denver Pop Con. <laughs> Denver Pop Con? Like, we, we would have understood. But it flows off the tongue better. You never know. They might have thought it was a soda convention. And then. Which would be awesome, by the way. I mean, at some point, I'm sure soda will be incorporated into the convention because <laughs> that's pop culture, man. I just can't wait to get a slurm can, man. There, there should be slurm cans there. Yeah. You know, it's just Mountain Dew, but still. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Mountain Dew, but it's like extra like creamy somehow. So it like feels like the slime you drink. And then I can get a warm can and be like, it's even better warm. <laughs> they can have Ecto Cooler there. Ooh. Like all the nerd drinks. That's the one. That, they should uh, have. Uh, Pepsi Free for Back to the Future. <laughs> Pepsi Free. <laughs> you should have a guy there with the Pepsi Free. Be like, if you order Pepsi, you got to pay, pay for, for it, buddy. And no just kidding. There you Pepsi. go. <laughs> and it's actually a line in front of the coffee machine. So you get coffee instead. Uh, love it, Brad. What do we do on the show? Uh, every week we go see a new movie and we podcast that experience to the world. This week we saw First Man. We chose to see the moon. Or first man. Yeah, first man. The, first, the superhero first. who's always first. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or always posts on the comment threads first. Yeah, okay. First man. First. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Gosling. Just that on would, a laptop. Yeah. First. No, wait. It's a phone. It's just, it's just making a phone. I know it seems a little too... Because he can't just bring out a whole DOS computer onto the moon. <laughs> uh, he covers all the bases. Phone, laptop, tablet. Kindle. <laughs> desktop, Kindle. Just always first. Oh, uh, let's get Damien Chazelle on the phone for First Man 2. <laughs> I actually had a better idea for that. First Man 2, Revenge of the Moon. And the moon's uh, big tagline for the trailer is, You stepped on me, now I step on you. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, so we'll... Uh, We'll review that at the end of the show, um, and then uh, 
we'll, we'll give our two cents real quick on if you should see it or not, and then we'll play the trailer, and then we'll go into spoiler territory. Although, I don't know how much spoilers we can do for an historical event, but, uh, you know, there's, there's some good tonal stuff that I don't want to, like... Well, you forgot about that moment where it cuts to black, and you don't know if they land on the moon, so, you know. Yeah, and there's that one part where they, you know, they, they drop the lem, and then there's General Zod, and... <laughs> Staying there, ready to. <laughs> but it's okay. Costling threw him back into the little square, and they went ah. And that scene also has the American flag in it. Oh. Just saying. You, um, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the movie and how that all the controversies on this seem a little ridiculous. So, but yep, absolutely. Um, Until then, let's go around town with Brad. Brad. Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. This week at the drive-in. <laughs> you should have um, said thank you, Brad. <laughs> I should have, but Brad doesn't say thank you or goodbye. <laughs> that is true. Um, this week at the drive-in um, is The House with a Clock on Its Walls, followed by Venom and Predator. Hmm. Um, if they're open. Uh, the snow is closing them down. <laughs> well, the re- well th- today's today's obviously closed down, but the rest of the week looks pretty sunny, so maybe yeah. you'll be able to get. Well, out they were there. closed last Thursday too, um, mm. and it wasn't as snowy. Mm. Um, so it, it it just make sure you check the website eighty eight drive in dot net um, and stay up to date because you know they only know the day of whether they be open or not. So. It always feels weird that that I can, I only get to the, I don't have a car, so I only get there like once or twice a year, and I only got to go once this year. And it was for Tomb Raider, and I was just like, "Oh, oh man, this this is terrible." Well, we yeah. should go for Venom and Predator. Cause... Yeah, I want to see House on the Clock with the Clock in the Twelves too. So like, maybe we can go for all those and stuff. Sure. Yeah. You don't want to see Jack Black kill pumpkins with Kate Blanchett? I kind of do. Uh, maybe if it was maybe a different <laughs> movie, it didn't have like CGI. You just don't like. And stuff. You just don't like Eli Roth. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. He's good. He's, He's good in Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway. Um, so yeah, um, and uh, I think they're trying to they're trying to make it to ho- to Halloween because um, they want to show the original Halloween at the drive-in. <sighs> uh, but you know, if the weather ruins their business, yeah, in the next three weeks, that might not be possible. Esquire did the midnights last night. Yeah. Um, and speaking of the Esquire, what is playing at the Esquire? Uh, d- uh, uh, many movies. Dead um, air. <laughs> <laughs> Esquire, yeah, plays uh, old cult classics at at midnight. Um, they don't show each things, week. Uh, it's probably uh, the Room and Rocky Horror because it's like halfway through the month. But, I think um, they do that at the end of the month, though. Uh, sometimes they do it. They double up uh, and like, um, yeah, that's right. It's the Room and Pitch Black. <laughs> so the yeah, so it's Pitch Black is October nineteenth and twentieth, mm-hmm. but also on Friday. The 19th, they're showing the room, so it'll probably be the upstairs um, screen. And then uh, the following weekend, October 25th and 27th, and then um, and then on Halloween, they're doing the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So three nights um, that last week of October. Cool. And then uh, since it's the last thing on this page, uh, November 2nd and 3rd is uh, the 25th anniversary of Jurassic Park. Well, that was a summer movie, but it's just the... They're showing it because it's the that's 20th the, anniversary. That's, that's when they could get it in. <laughs> so nothing to do with November. It's just 
Yeah. I got to see Jurassic Park on a 35 millimeter print before they switched over, and that thing broke halfway through the <laughs> presentation. So the whole last piece was like, well, the dinosaur's going to eat them? I don't know. <laughs> the dinosaurs are too big to fit the frame, so it broke the film. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been funny if it broke on uh, Wayne Knight's face, and I'd be like, ah, oh, Wayne Knight, he's, a- he's able to break film with the power of his presence. <laughs> Yeah, like the film's breaking. The film's breaking. See, See nobody, nobody cares. cares. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's uh, and then uh, on Thursday of this week uh, is the Emerging Filmmakers Project, mm-hmm. and it's it's October, so it's uh, a program full of scary shorts from the local community. So Ooh, check that out. Right on. And then uh, of course, Cannibal the Musical is still playing um, Fridays and Saturdays at the Bug. Um, next weekend, I got confused. I went last night expecting them to show the movie and last night was just a sing-along to the the play (laughs) (laughs) so next week is the movie okay midnight screening at the bug theater after the show there you go cool so if you haven't seen trey parker matt stone's debut feature uh go check that out yeah um did they ever talk about how they feel about that film i've I've never seen a dvd release of it i've always just seen it on netflix i've got it oh you do yeah it's like a 15th anniversary edition they have like a commentary and stuff and um i don't think i've taking the time to actually watch that part of it so hmm. i've got it so i was inspired last night to watch it so there you go i got home at 3 a.m so i'm gonna have time to <laughs> crack into it <laughs> so the extensive universe of cannibal the musical yeah you could build the universe out of that can cannibal cinematic universe <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of uh less shit going on in the Colorado territory that you know you make stories out of that's true there's yeah. a lot stoned cannibal the musical mormons and native americans and <laughs> uh canadians <laughs> All <laughs> puppets traveling, <laughs> crossing paths. Yes, cool. Well, that's awesome, and um, that's what's going on around going on around town. Yeah. Now let's find out what's going on in the news. It's real news. Well, the uh, biggest news um, that's arrived: uh, James Gunn's in talks to write and possibly direct Suicide Squad two. I'm I'm down. Yeah, um, if, if that guy can make a crazy movie, he's he's the one. I mean, my 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 only frustration is is the thing that unfortunately won't be rectified, which is I want Guardians three from him, not Suicide Squad two from him. Yep, Thank I know. And I know. Obviously, that's like it's like yelling at a wall at this point because Disney's not going to change their mind, and I'm sure Gunn's <clears throat> probably upset enough that he wouldn't want to come back now at this point, even if he wanted, even if they wanted him back. I don't know. I think he loves that property enough that he might. I mean, he'd probably need a huge payday. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, there would be to a, alleviate that, but there'd be a huge negotiation on that. Um, um, but I can also see him just doing it because he's like, it just means so much to him. It's interesting though to think of he does Suicide Squad too. He he gets a little more room to be his older self, which is obviously what was in contention a few months ago yeah but uh but i i i mean i love the movie super i think the movie super is an amazingly awkward flick that everyone should check out like it's it's awkward for like mainly the ellen page character (laughs) because she's just all kinds of crazy um but uh but then also obviously you know slither and stuff like that so it'd be interesting to see him kind of like inch a little bit more closer to dark territory but Given what DC's been focused on in its own way, I don't know how that all ties into their plans. Because, like... I, I think they've made it clear they're not trying to do the, like, everything ties together yeah. universe type thing. They're just like, we've got stories to tell. Yeah. If, can... if they, if they you know, show up in other movies, great. If they don't, you know, we don't care. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, like, I... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, obviously. And then Matt Reeves is doing his Batman flick. And, I mean, Affleck's in rehab right now, so I don't know if... I, I think that the... the I don't know. I would like to see Affleck remain, but I think that might that ship might have already sailed, um, which sucks. But I mean, hey, it means Ben Affleck can do some more flicks like on his own, writing and directing, which is great because he's a great director. Um, sorry, it's going slow. There might be some dead air. I'm sorry. Um, uh, we got some trailers. Um, we got trailers for Aladdin, the live action remake. Which looked like it was all made in the computer, which is okay, I guess. Really a teaser. There's not, you know, obviously yeah. that's not a story. Those Disney remakes aren't something you'll spoil. Like, yeah. You're basically going to see, like, how close are they getting it to the one they made before. I was really, <laughs> really hoping you wouldn't make a tasteless joke about Robin Williams as a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> no, can't think of any right now. Yeah, good. Um, <laughs> thank you for Thank you for holding yourself. But it's like, you know... That's what we're looking for is how different is this going to be? Like, how much are you going to deviate? How much is going to stay the same? And the right. trailer is just like, cool, there's a lamp. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it looks all photorealistic. Yeah. They establish, I mean, the only thing they established that I thought was, I get why they're doing it, but it was all, it was one of those things that kind of like, I, I rarely get angry at these things, but, or, and I don't, and I wasn't even angry at this, but I was like, sad. I was like, oh, the mouth of the cave isn't going to talk like a, like, like an animated mouth. It's just going to stand there. And I'm like, I get it, but. You know, go then, pay. then again, Disney kind of you know makes trailers that don't show what's actually in the movie. Sometimes, as illustrated by the Avengers, so right. it may still be in the movie. They're just not showing it to you right now. Mm. Yeah, and it might just be like open for the sake of them getting walking inside. You never know. Yeah. Um, again, like Aladdin, Aladdin has the weird uh, point in my life of being the one, the first movie my folks ever took me to see, and I ran out of the theater screaming. So. You know, hmm. it'll be interesting to see if I run out of this one screaming. <laughs> yeah. I was, like, tired of all the, like, the teaser drops of, like, here's something that says it, it exists. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, like, I'm hungry for the one that, ex like, explains, like, doesn't show the whole plot, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's, you know, g gives me something more to, like, to, to munch on. Get excited about, you mentally, know. Mentally, yeah. Um, well, I mean, we also got a trailer for Glass, a, a second trailer. Mm. Um, so obviously we're getting closer to that. This one made me more excited. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's just the stuff it didn't in the seem air. that different to me. It, it, well, there's there's obviously different shots and stuff, like just different angles. But I don't know why, but for some reason now I'm really excited to see Glass. Um, I, I'm going to definitely have to go back and rewatch Unbreakable and Split. And I, I mean, I love Split for James McAvoy, but I don't really care about the rest of the film, um, including the 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 teaser that leads into class. Um, cause I, I that's where I got excited. I know <laughs> I mean, there's that moment of like, <gasps> and then I'm like, Oh, okay. It took a while, but I'm like, okay, sure. Why not? Um, I just hope Bruce Willis cares this time. Um, but I mean, like I said, and also I like Samuel Jackson with that character. I think that's the main reason I'm super amped for it. We got a little bit more of him with it, but also his mother in the whole proceedings, which I was like, that's pretty cool. I can't remember if it's the same actress. It doesn't seem like it is, but, um, you know, we'll see. Um, could have put her in old age makeup. You never know. Yeah, um, maybe. Um, but we also got a trailer for something else that was amazing somehow uh, for Netflix's The Christmas Chronicles, which features Kurt Russell playing Santa Claus. And it's basically just Jack Burton as Santa Claus. And it's pretty awesome. And I want it. <laughs> okay. I want a physical copy of it. 
give it to give it to my nephew and be like, here, this is real Santa Claus. None of that Tim Allen bullshit. Watch Kurt Russell be Santa Claus because his beard is perfect for Santa Claus. Um, um, we uh also got um news from Marvel that Ryan Coogler is going to direct and write Black Panther two. So cool, cool beans. Uh, and uh, also on the Marvel front, Iron Fist has been canceled by Netflix. Um, which I didn't see Iron Fist. I, the only Netflix show I've seen is Daredevil, so I don't know how they're doing over there, really. Um, but, um, yeah, I guess that's a shame. Um, and then the final thing in Marvel news is Black Panther, um, they're widening the field on what they... Disney wants Black Panther to receive the awards attention, so they're only making... Um, they're only rooting for one category nomination for Avengers Infinity War. And um, so, yeah, Black Panther's... Uh, their main focus for award season, which is something that they haven't really created campaigns for really in the past. Like they, they, they haven't really like gone toward that, you know? So, um, well, it'd be nice if everyone could just focus on the art and not worry about, you know, strategies on how to win awards. Well, I mean, that's, that's more Disney's business end. And for that matter, Marvel's business end handling that. Um, but obviously Avengers infinity wars consideration, uh, category is visual effects, which, those visual effects are pretty amazing. Um, we also saw some visual effects today, though, for this movie that are pretty cool. So, um, you know, who knows what will win that award. Um, uh, the the words Spielbergian and Tarantino-esque have been added to the Oxford Dictionary. <laughs> so that feels weird. <laughs> yeah, Spiel- all words are made up. No, I guess that's true. Um, I want I want the term hag like to be added to the dictionary in forty years. So we'll make sure you uh, PS all your Instagram posts and Facebook posts with hag esque, and then it'll <laughs> become popular enough. <laughs> and there's a certain quote of how how many people use it. <laughs> your definition in the dictionary is just a picture of you looking bright eyed into the stars. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, uh, Mr. Mom is going to become a TV show from MGM and uh, Voodoo. Um, I just want Michael Keaton to play it again somehow. Um, I know he's too old, but I don't care. I want him to do it. Um, some John claude related news, kind of. Uh, Universal Soldier is going to be rebooted from the screenwriters of The Equalizer. Um, I've never seen Universal Soldier. Do you like it at all? It's all right. And yeah, it's not like anything that you'd like clamor for as terms of like a reboot. Yeah, the story is not that interesting. Um, I mean, I don't have a specific example, but it's 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 just you know they make these soldiers that are you know easily controllable. One goes rogue, and they send another one. Is John Claude the, the one that goes rogue? Yeah. Okay, that's what. I And think. then you know he has to deal with like, what does it mean to be alive? Um, <laughs> in, in in less like cerebral terms in that movie a robot movie comes to terms with what it's like to be alive shocker or how to be an individual oh okay yeah 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 again shocker yeah <laughs> um i mean it's it's a lot more it's not as actiony as you'd think mm. um i mean it's it's actually when it's actually but it's, it's not like this it's not like a michael bay spectacle right uh it's it's a little more cerebral like this movie okay um, I always confused it with the movie Soldier with Kurt Russell, which is a Paul W. S. Anderson movie, 
and it oh. just features a silent film performance from Kurt Russell. He doesn't say much in that movie because he's not. It, they're bred not to really speak, but to fight. Like men. I guess it's like if the Terminator like lost, like it, its program mission was lost, so mm-hmm. it was just it was stuck wandering around like what to do, <laughs> while also trying to be recaptured. And then you know it's up to the humans to. Keep him isolated. I love the idea of the Terminator wandering around, hasn't found his clothes yet, going, who am I? <laughs> I think that's a part in the Universal Soldier, actually. <laughs> Can you help me find my purpose? <laughs> I think, like, yeah, he shows up nude at the <laughs> motel room of the like the female co-star yeah. <laughs> before they go on their little venture. Are you my wife? <laughs> we make love? <laughs> I might try to rec- recut Universal Soldier with uh, Terminator dialogue. Are you Sarah Connor? <laughs> uh. Um, uh, this uh, this is a uh, second to last piece of news. Uh, but uh, Annapurna, uh, Megan Ellison's company, is reevaluating its film division. Um, long story short, they got rid of one of their executives, um, or one of their executives left. Um, uh, after they were going to be going ahead on two other films, one was going to be a Jennifer Lopez movie, and the other one was, um, doesn't say here. Um, but, uh, it, it seems as if though they're like in financial trouble from the way the article's read written, because I mean, Annapurna, like, unless it's like latched on to another studio that has wider distribution has had a hard time making their budget back on their feature film projects. It seems like if anything, their TV division might be doing better, but. Um, I don't know the full story that they've only revealed that one of their executives left and that two of their properties went out into the wind and STX picked up the Jennifer Lopez one. So um, uh, it's like a movie about a stripper who does something. I don't know. But anyway, it's worth picking up then. Yeah. No, I mean, again, like like it. The question is, is like, what does that mean for Annapurna? Because like, I love the theory behind Annapurna's mission, which is just to make those unique and different movies. But it seems like A24 is doing a better job at what their initial mission statement is. And Annapurna has more or less been like the place to go when no one else can get when you can't get the money anywhere else. Like that's how the master gets made or um, like they were trying to uh, in that book, the big picture they talk about, like they tried to get them interested in the Steve Jobs movie and then that fell through and then then it ends up at Universal under different auspices. So um but yeah, um, I hope that doesn't fail because I like Annapurna's um, output um, on its own or with a studio. Like I thought, Detroit was really good. So, but it sounds like they're not getting it done. So if they don't have money to give any of those special projects. What can you do? No, yeah. I, again, like I'm not, I'm not unrealistic. Get someone, on it. Get someone else in there to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll have more on the story. I mean, like I mean, I want to go more into detail, but my computer is like not giving me like the time of day right now. Um, it's barely pulling stuff up. Um, the last piece of news though, um, there's a star Wars TV show coming out called the Mandalorian, um, which John Favreau is going to work on. Um, there's a, like a spotty rumor and I know it's casting rumor and it's not necessarily news yet, but Werner Herzog's name has been bandied about, about being in that show. I don't know who he's playing. I don't care who he's playing. I want Werner Herzog in star Wars. I want that crazy German son of a bitch in a Star Wars. <laughs> I don't care what he does. I want I want to hear his voice talk about like force shit, intergalactic treaties, like 
like being a gangster for Jabba the Hutt. Like, Jabba, listen to me. <laughs> like, I, I want that. The, I want that. I don't know what it sounds like yet. I imagine it's like a cross between science fiction and his character from Jack Reacher, and maybe that's fine for me. Or, or you know, he could be narrating it, and that'd be awesome too. <laughs> uh, this is why no one's gonna ever trust you to be a producer on their movie. <laughs> You just you just lack the vision that I and John Favreau share, apparently. <laughs> so that's news. Yep, that's news. All right, let's uh, find out what uh, DVDs and Blu-rays and 4K Blu-rays and VHSs and all that coming up this week. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Uh, this week uh, we got a 4K of the Big Lebowski. Yeah, um, and then there's a, like a little bowling ball set. Yeah, it looks okay, I guess. I, I kind of wish they'd stop milking that shit. Um, like, I mean, give the release, that's fine, but, like, I don't need a gift I set. I think they did this gift set with the Blu-ray one. Cause it sounds like they already have, but yeah, now they're just doing it the for the 4K. 4K. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's a little bowling bag with a bowling ball. I think it's to scale. Yeah, um, no, the bowling ball is, like, as big as the DVD, which the DVD's cover is a little sweater. Mm-hmm. So that's cute. Yeah. It's oh, fine. Um, I'm loaded up. Um we're also getting Ant-Man and the Wasp on 4K, Blu-ray, and Best Buy Steelbook and Target exclusive. So I liked Ant-Man and the Wasp, and uh, I'm pretty steady with those Steelbooks, so I'll probably uh, go ahead and grab it. Um, Trilogy of Terror is getting a release, um, which is a Karen Black uh, anthology horror film. Um, there's a really interesting uh story in that film involving a uh, a voodoo doll or like a, I can't remember what it's a doll it's a, it's it's a killer doll thing but it's pretty freaky um arrows putting out 12 monkeys the bruce willis brad pitt madeline stowe film from terry gilliam um city slickers is getting a shout factory release um i heard they cleaned that thing up so it's apparently supposed to look pretty good um olive films is putting out invasion of the body snatchers from 1956 i have that on the way um, although I think I'm probably going to get it late because they told me it was out of stock and now they told me it's in stock. So I think they're just not sure of what they want out of life anymore. Um, Arrow's also putting out Schlock, which is an early John Landis film that has early, early stuff from Rick Baker. So, uh, if you want to find out where Rick Baker gets his beginnings outside of the it's alive movie, uh, check that out. Um, Criterion's putting out shampoo, <clears throat> which is a how Ashby film. Um, with Warren Beatty, and it's about the guy. It, it's about a hairdresser named Jay Sebring who was one of the Manson victims. Um, but it's about like kind of the, his life and how he inspired people, and then maybe I, I've never seen it, but as far as I know, that's like what the plot is. So, but it's interesting to note that it's about a guy who was killed by Manson, um, or Manson's followers. I don't know. He, he's a murderer. Fuck him. Um, also, uh, from this year, uh, Unfriended Dark Web is getting a Blu-ray release. It uh, doesn't look like a 4K at all, though, so um, I didn't see it. I don't really have much interest in it. Uh, it's Pat the Movie is coming out from Kino Lobor. Um, so, yeah, is it a man or is it a woman? Is there a care in the world? I don't think so. Um, and it looks like they're re-releasing, um, reissuing some Universal stuff, so like Mall Rats, American Tale, Double Indemnity. Weird Science, Liar, Liar, Liar. They're all getting a revival of sorts or reissue. Um, and then, yeah, looks like that's Blu-rays. Oh, wait, one more. There is a new cover for Die Hard that looks like a Christmas sweater, and it looks adorable. And it's it's green, and then the center of it is Nakatomi Plaza, 
and then the like the Rorschachian kind of like uh like side to side is helicopters and then at the bottom it says ho ho ho. So yeah. Maybe I I don't have Die Hard on Blu-ray yet. Maybe I should get it that way. Cuz I don't really care about having the sequels right now. Also there's a collected edition of Ash vs Evil Dead. Uh oh, season the, 1 through the, 3. Yeah, the series, yeah. Um with the Bruce Campbell looks like Quagmire for some reason. <laughs> um Giggity. <laughs> I wish they had done some of the art for uh, or done a steel book. That's kind of a bummer because mm. I, I passed on all those steel books waiting for this collection. So. But you get a bobblehead. <laughs> no. <laughs> and Monty Python's Meaning of Life has a Blu-ray. Yeah. It's probably a re-release thing. Yeah, it's a re-release. It's been on Blu-ray before. Call me when they get that, uh, all three of them together in a package again because they did that for DVD and it was awesome and I loved it. Um, oh, also um, – Danny McBride's new film, Arizona, is coming to Blu-ray. I thought that was just a Netflix thing. So is Netflix doing Blu-rays of their movies now? They've done Blu-rays of their shows. So I, I know I know that, but I thought they were trying to keep their movies to the service only. So, Oh, well, cool. That's Blu-rays, son. Uh, I guess we'll talk about what we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Zach, we've been watching. Um... Not a whole lot. Um, in preparation for this week's film, I watched Apollo 13 again. Uh, movie still rocks. It's awesome. Um, I also I watched it like two times. So I watched it the first time just on its own, and then I watched it with a commentary, and it was interesting hearing Ron Howard talk about it. Um, and uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later in the review, but it's interesting how uh, that film, uh, it, like all NASA films, like uh, there's one subject that always comes up, and it's interesting how that subject always keeps coming up within the context of like, any space mission of any kind. So, um, but I liked it and I liked watching, um, Ed Harris do his thing as, uh, the director of flight control. So yeah, it's right on. Uh, I also rewatched Frost Nixon, which was my number two from the 2008 film explosion. Uh, the movie still holds up for me. It's really good. Um, I've read some, that there's apparently some backlash years later about that flick, which I don't understand because it's a really solid film about, uh, that interview, uh, even though obviously it is like super dramatized and exaggerated on the importance of that interview, it's still pretty solid. And I think Michael Sheen's still terrific in the film. And obviously Langella is great. Um, I, I rewatched a trip to the moon, the George Melies film. Cause I got the Blu-ray from Flickr alley of the, the, there was a restored print of the original, 15 minute of the the shorter trip to the moon with its original uh hand painted colors um that was done uh in France um and shown at Cannes in 2011 uh around the same time as Hugo was going to be coming out um so I watched it and it looks beautiful on Blu-ray um and and it is it's interesting to see it along with the soundtrack for the f- uh, film that they got from a French like new wave-ish band or something like that um, cause it's obviously there's no score for the original trip to the moon cause it's a silent film from the 19, from the 1900s. So, um, but yeah, I mean the, the more amazing thing about it is that there's a documentary about how they, uh, got that film restored. Like apparently that film was, um, like basically with the nitrate print, it, 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 it goes into emulsion and like becomes sticky and then it's like just unusable. Like you can't do anything with it, but the technology I didn't realize has apparently, gone up in such a way that they can actually restore a lot of those ones if they're in a certain condition where you basically have to peel it one at a time um, after it's been like sitting in a certain liquid and then you photograph it from there 
and then that's then from there they go ahead and recreate it using the digital tools that they have um but the documentary is fascinating um it is uh it is narrated in english but there's also interviews with french filmmakers so if you like if you if you can't stand subtitles you might not be into it but i think if you're into film history and any kind of filmmaking this is definitely worth your time um it's only like 15 16 bucks on amazon from uh from flicker alley so um i rewatched the matrix and the matrix reloaded um and i'm probably gonna watch revolutions tonight um i mean i love the the first matrix a lot i mean when we do 99 film explosion that's probably gonna be my number one film for that year despite despite like i obviously there's other great films from that year but i just love the matrix a lot like i loved it when i was in middle school and rewatching it this week i really still do love it i still don't understand why his uh monitor is off during that scene um because it seems like he should be working um but i mean his world's about to be unplugged anyway so it doesn't really fucking matter in the grand scheme of the matrix um uh but yeah it, it, the visual like the the, the blu-ray holds up really well like because those scenes when they're out in the real world in the in the nebuchadnezzar ship like they're all shot in really dark dark lit areas and like they isolate that stuff like so the visual effects do hold up in that respect bullet time for the first time i realized it, it holds up but it's definitely the most standoutish thing about that film um like it's like because it does look like cartoonish to a degree but it still looks groundbreaking like it obviously it's like the difference between a year before that 98 and everything afterward um i can't say that for the matrix reloaded um its visual effects stick out like a sore thumb <laughs> Uh, that that burly brawl scene with Agent Smith looked so awesome in theaters when I saw it um, in 2003, and now it just looks like a flat-out video game to me. Uh, so Blu-ray doesn't do the best job of helping that. And I tried to like think in my head, I'm like, oh, just convince yourself that this is another trick of the Matrix where they're just turning into cartoons for no reason because they can bend reality. It's all it's it's all safe, Zach. You're fine. This movie's still good. Um, because like I like the sequels, um, because I like the fact that they're 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 attempting to be challenging and often succeed and sometimes fail. Um, the 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 thing I like about that film is the thing that people tend to like poke holes in, which is the architect scene, because I like the idea of like oh he did the hero's journey and then it turned out to be pointless. <laughs> so that's pretty fun uh, for a big budget blockbuster movie to like throw throw things in people's faces um i always like it when people do that um i'll rewatch revolutions this week and tell you what i think next week um and then uh i'm trying to think if i watched anything else i don't think so yeah no i didn't watch anything else this week that's all i watched okay yeah oh wait a minute i'm sorry there are two things um i uh i continued my universal monster binge and i watched the mummy's hand uh from 1940 um it's it's when the mummy the only good mummy movie in the mummy universe is that first mummy after that they all turn to crap uh as evidenced by the fact that this movie is only an hour and six minutes it's basically about like oh uh a mummy uh is protecting a tomb uh, protecting a tomb of a princess um he has to have tana leaves injected into him in order to uh walk around at night and avenge the people who are trying to rob his grave and uh it's it's all kinds of silly it's 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 quickly made you can tell um and then the other one i saw was the invisible woman from the same year uh which is basically it's a it's about a a scientist who's being funded by a playboy billionaire 
um, for his experiments, and his experiment is obviously to make someone invisible. But the only person who answers the ad f- to be a to be invisible is a woman, and it like throws him off because like, oh, a woman, I can't do it. I'll be uncomfortable if I'm, you know, like asking a woman to strip down in front of my machine, and like, but it's whatever. She gets uh, invisible, and then she goes and wreaks habit and seeks revenge on her employers who treat her like a piece of meat, and then the classist people who throw shit in her face. Um, and then the rest of the film is about trying to prevent gangsters from Mexico from stealing the machines so that their boss can turn invisible and return to America. Um, it's pretty nuts. Uh, obviously very tone deaf um, in terms of women's rights and um, in terms of what we consider feminism and not feminism. But it's funny. It's a fun little time. Uh, and John Barrymore, this is one of the last films he ever did. At this point, he was a drunk who couldn't remember his lines, so they had to have him read his lines pasted on objects around the set. So um, you can tell that he's just kind of, this is a traditional Shakespearean actor. And in one scene, he's getting down on the ground and trying to talk to a cat. So it's pretty adorable. Um, So yeah, um, I'm going to continue my universal monster binge next week is when I see the Wolfman. So uh, yeah, that's all I watched this week. Uh, This week I, um... Brad, what did you watch this week? Sorry. This week I watched uh, Return of the Living Dead, and that has some cool special effects, uh, mm-hmm. makeup stuff. Um, I also watched Accepted. Haven't seen that since uh, the theater. Um, forgot like Jonah Hill and Blake Lively were in it. I always forget Lewis Black's in that movie until I rewatch it. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's actually pretty, pretty fun. Um, uh, I also watched uh, Pet Cemetery. Uh, the first, ori- first time. First time. Um, that's interesting. It's. It, I like watching it for Fred Gwynn. <laughs> the new the new trailer looks like uh the same movie. Um Child's Play. Um haven't well, watched that for the first time in a long time. Um didn't remember much of any of it. Uh you know, the the Chucky uh doll effects are pretty good. Um but the, it goes from like quiet movie to blockbuster action movie <laughs> pretty quick. <laughs> like, pretty quick uh with a couple stunts and then mm-hmm. the part where uh the cop is driving away and Chucky's in his backseat and it's like tries to stab him through the backseat. It's like, dude, just, just get out of the car, <laughs> like hit the brakes or if the brakes are cut, just roll out of the car. It's um, interesting in between those two motives. There's also a small segment where Andy's just going straight up through Hoboville and junkie land. <laughs> yeah. To get to his old house. Um, I also watched Hellfest, which is basically a really expensive commercial for a theme park that doesn't exist. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. Pretty much. Uh, these teenagers are going on these rides and you watch them go on the rides and react to them and then there's a slasher following the whole time okay and then i watched uh, dead like me which i haven't seen in a while because my sister stole my dvds and lost them and uh, i missed that show and i hope they do a high definition of that i've never seen it it's good yeah it's only two seasons um that that cover's pretty iconic with death blowing bubblegum yeah um Manny Patinkin's Rube is probably my favorite part of the show. Oh, he's in it. Yeah. Oh, I want to watch this. So, yeah, well, it would be good for you because he's like a he's he died in the twenties, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's what I watched this week. Cool. Do we have anything else? I guess that brings us to our review of First Man. Zach, what do you think of First Man? Uh, I loved it. Um, I, I it it made me cry a lot more than I thought it would. Um, and I think that's a that's a symptom of James getting into my system because uh, he's gotten me like to appreciate NASA a lot more. And a lot of the stuff that he turned me on to ends up in this film somehow in an ancillary way or a big way. Um, Grossling is great in this film. Grossling. Gosling. 
is great in this film. Uh, the film is superbly directed, um, beautifully shot. Um, the music's amazing. Uh, and this is, uh, this is like one of the first space movies I've seen in a while that like drew out a sense of cinematic experience for me. That was like, you should see this in the theater. And if I have time this week, I'm going to make it a mission to see it in IMAX. Cause I didn't have time this week and it, I regretted it because the, the we'll talk about it later, but the last 20 minutes are, I think you need to watch it in IMAX just from watching it on its own merit. Like it seems like it can only be better. So, uh, so yeah, I'd say go see it. Brad, should people go see first man? Uh, before I tell you, I'm going to play this clip of Ryan sharing his thoughts on first man. Real nerds, real nerds, real nerds. It's the greatest host of a podcast ever. Ryan. Sorry to make the show this week. Sometimes work gets in the way, but I just wanted to say that everybody should go see First Man because it is awesome. Ryan Gosling's portrayal as Neil Armstrong is very, very good. Um, I've read several stories where Neil Armstrong was kind of a reluctant hero, and Gosling plays that really well. The movie does a really great job of putting you in the cockpit of each of the space flights, whether it's Armstrong's first couple um and then also when they land on the moon. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say that the movie's awesome. It gets you the claustrophobic aspect of being in space flight and the danger. Anyways, keep up the good work, boys. I'll see you next week. Bye. Wow, cool take, bro. <laughs> it was got, very brief. That got really insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's... I don't like that he told all the astronauts to go go burn in hell. <laughs> um, I think this movie's awesome. Um, going into it, I thought, you know, hearing their views that is gonna be this cold, distant like mm. movie that's not as impressive as La La Land. But uh, I think it's if you want to feel the sheer terror of being an astronaut, mm-hmm. this is the movie to see because um, yeah, there's long lulls of uh, experiencing what it's like to be a person who has an experience that is very unique and hard to relate to. Mm-hmm. On top of that, we find out that his well, we child. It's not a spoiler. Okay, I guess not. It's in the first part of the movie. Yeah. Um. You know. He. He's. He hasn't. He's. He can't let go of the death of a child early in you know his life. Yeah. Um. It, it haunts him throughout the rest of what he does, and uh, so you have that. You have him putting his life on the line constantly. Him watching his friends die in these tests, and then trying to make this achievement that you know people are trying to shut down around him. Um. So he's trying to honor himself and his friends his daughter and it, it's in all along you're like put you're thrust into these claustrophobic dangerous like you feel the danger mm-hmm. um and it's just incredible and i can't wait to watch an imax so yeah uh here's the trailer for first man i see the moon the moon sees me The vehicle's not safe. We need to fail. We need to fail down here so we don't fail up there. Please let the light that shines on me. Neil, everyone's in agreement. We'd like you to command. Shine on the one I love. Mom, what's wrong? Nothing, honey. Your dad's going to the moon. Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin. We have a go for main engine start. 
minus 10. The entire world's watching. Nine. Eight. Do you question whether the program's worth the cost? Seven. In money and in lives? Six. Five. What are the chances you're not coming back? Four. Those kids, they don't have a father anymore. Three. So you're going to sit the boys down? Two. And you're going to prepare them for the fact you might not ever come home. One. Do you think you're coming back? We have serious problems. We've got this under control. You're a bunch of boys. You don't have anything under control. Yeah, I don't understand the cold and distant reviews. What what, what movie were they watching? Well, I would admit the first 30 minutes were hard for me to get into because it's not a movie that says, like, okay, here's this point in time and, you know, uh, here's these people. Like, I didn't know who some of the characters were until an hour in Mm because they don't just say, you know, hey, what's up, Elliot? You know, it's like, oh, Elliot died. Well, who is Elliot? I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Like, there wasn't a scene of everybody meeting each other. It's just it takes you along. Uh, it, I guess that in a very passive way. I guess so, but I don't agree with that somehow. I could see that, but I don't know. Like I think, I think if anything, it draws you in, albeit on a very downer note, of uh, of uh, his daughter dying of cancer, um, and him like like which is the primary motivation for Neil Armstrong in the movie. Um, I don't know if that's a real thing in the book. I'll have to read the book now. I guess. Um, like cancer? No, no, no. The 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 like when we spoilers at the end, he uh, takes a bracelet that had his daughter's name on it and tosses it into a moon crater. Yeah, I don't um, know if that's a real thing. That, or not. That's that's the thing I'm wondering. But like, but they also give Buzz Aldrin the rings from his wife. Like right. he says, he's gonna do that. So I'm like, I guess they probably did. It's conceivable yeah. that that did happen. So yeah. Um, but anyway, though, when we get to the point, like what I love about it is that the the fact that he has not has no way to really come to terms with this death in his life uh motivates him to go into the space program which in theory seems like a bad idea because the whole movie should be co- should be called Ryan Gosling's friends die cuz a lot of his friends die cuz it's the space program in the 60s um and uh it's inter- I mean obviously as I said James's knowledge of NASA has seeped into me in a big bad way over the past year and a half so a lot of these characters, I knew who they were, and unfortunately, I knew what was going to happen to them. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, thanks to James. Like when I hear Gus Grissom, I'm like, oh, oh he, yeah, he's going to die. Uh, or yeah. Ed White. I'm shocked I'm like, that they should. Like, I didn't think, I didn't expect that in the movie. Yeah, the the uh, the, the Apollo one. But uh, it makes sense now that I watched it. Like, oh, I guess that would be in there. But yeah, well, I appreciate. Well, so you haven't seen From Earth to the Moon yet? No. Uh, the series he talks about constantly. Well, it's a great one. Um, I mean. But the second episode um, is about uh, that that incident as a like a larger issue. What I liked about showing it was that inside you're sh- seeing all this chaos happen, like within the span of like five five to fifteen seconds, 
and then the outside it holds on this shot for about ten seconds of the poof. like it's it's not even like a huge explosion. It's a freaking like it's just a pop in the door, and then it sits on it. And like Chazelle's really good at knowing when to cut away and when to when to hold on something, and he does it a lot throughout the rest of the film regarding the space travel. Um, the Gemini going into the um, uh, into the other um, unmanned to, to dock with the uh, Aegeus or something. The, with the Aegea, yeah, the most it, terrifying scene I've seen all year. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's very very nerve wracking. Like, I mean, I thought the first fifteen minutes were nerve wracking with him, or the ten minutes with him in the uh, doing the uh, atmosphere. The, Going past the, the atmosphere, yeah, the thing. gyroscoping, yeah. I thought that was nerve wracking because that's how it opens up and it 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 kicks you right into the film. But that sequence with the Gemini is unnerving, erratically shot. It, it's just it's ah, oh, it's nerve wracking. Um, and that it's a great scene with Claire Foy who plays his wife, um, telling him to turn on the radio, uh, or to turn it back on. Um, and we haven't talked even talked about her yet. She's fucking incredible in this movie. Uh, the scene where she uh, goes g- just gets right in Ryan Gosling's face is just like you have to sit down with her boys and you have to tell them that there's a chance that you won't come back, like because I'm done. Like I was just like that's fucking amazing. Like that's just incredible performance. Like I mean I don't know. I I think Ryan Gosling gives one of the best performances of his career in this film, but I think Claire Foy is gonna steal the thunder come awards season. But in time we're just gonna realize that this is a tour de force from both of them. But um, and then, you know, I mean, the, the, it's a beautifully shot film. Like it, so it looks like it kind of feels as if though it's of a period of like the, the early seventies to mid seventies or something like that. It, like it's got that texture on the film to it. Um, like the grain that they're using, like, I don't know what stock they use, but it, it feels aged. It feels like an older film. Um, and the way they film space is interesting. Um, they, there's a lot of black surrounding most shots. It makes it almost look like maybe they're using some miniatures rather than some CGI, which I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't seen the. No, I think they're smartly disguising what could be revealed if, like, if you show all the detail. It's like you know the monster in the movie. If you show all the details, mm-hmm. the monster's less scary, right? Um, by cut like having all that black and everything in so high contrast, you're hiding like the CGI. Yeah, um, and and you're exposed, but you're also and you're also as you said earlier this is a film about how like batshit crazy this idea is. Yeah. Like I, um, I have to go explain this movie to my parents when I get home. I'm trying to say like, you know, the, cause they think it's a movie about the moon landing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it was everything I thought it would be is that this is a movie about Neil Armstrong and about being a Guinea pig who has to survive getting sent up in a giant rocket full of fuel. Mm-hmm. And that's a great moment when he's at the press conference and Buzz Aldrin's like, well, you know, I'm going to take my wife's rings and uh, Neil Armstrong's like, I, I would take more fuel. Like yeah. if I could take anything else. <laughs> yeah. He's being practical yeah. about it. And he's not, he's not playing the game with the press, which, but he has to survive know. the launch. And then he has to dock with this thing that's already been sitting in space. Mm-hmm. And you know, if that fails, he spins out of control and like loses consciousness, but he has to dock with that. And then this lunar lander made of like toothpicks and tinfoil, mm-hmm. um, has to it's it's t- commonly portrayed as just like dropping onto the moon mm-hmm. in this movie they show it skidding in to the surface at like 60 miles an hour right and, and he has to compensate by like you know blowing out those uh i guess pressure cannons or whatever mm-hmm. um and then stabilizing it and like all that is so nerve-wracking um it, it's it, it yeah it it it, it 
it works. It's effective. It 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 operates. It it doesn't operate like a horror movie, but it operates like a thriller. Like it, it, the tension's high. Yeah. Um. It's not. An, it shows that it's like it's not just like this easy thing to do. It's not this. Um. Uh. You know this. There's there's so much that can go wrong, and like to celebrate it. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. As like this. Uh, tr- not try to get political here, but like, you know, his the movie being about him, it's like he didn't buy into the like this is for America and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like if you watch the movie and understand the process of like, it's a miracle that a human can do this. Mm-hmm. It's like so the whole controversy about not like putting the flag on the moon, like that flag's all over that fucking movie. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, it's just not shown obviously being the stick in the ground. It's yeah. like. But there's a shot of it stuck in the ground. Yeah. It's just from far away because yeah, giant I, wide shot. It's right next to the lunar lander. Yeah, I can see it. It's yeah. there. <laughs> um, it's the, there's a flag on the lunar lander, like a sticker. It's yeah. on their uniforms. His son throws up a flag Flying when he launches the- in the Gemini, <laughs> Gemini. It's like that was the most bullshit stuff ever. But like his philosophy is like he doesn't buy into the nationalism of it. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, the government wants to shut down this program. Oh yeah. Like they don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to keep convincing them to do it. So like, I don't care about putting, like I'm doing it because I have to, mm-hmm. uh, and it's there. Like I'm only there because I'm trying to exercise this demon that I'm carrying with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, so. and there's this beautiful motif running through the film of like the first time you see him, he's just a little bit above the earth that he can see the clouds. The second time when he goes up in Gemini, he's enough, up enough that he can kind of see a b- bigger picture of it. By the time he gets to the moon, it's the whole fucking planet, and like that, that, like that, that kind of like rule of three, like kicking, it, like keeping that theme throughout the film. And he says a line about it about like you know the the further I get away from it, the the all, all the, the clearer it seems to me. I think that's the line. I don't remember if it's exact, but that's just a beautiful through line throughout the film about like, and Holland all ties back again to the death of his daughter and like just his ability to cope with it and discuss it. And I, and I think actually what's amazing is that the film does end on the strong note of when it's all said and done, it's about people who love each other and people and like a man who loves his family. And then you have that shot of her, him in quarantine and she's on the other side and they're just communicating through the window. It's, 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 I don't want to get too like hyperbolic about it, but it reminds me of the movie Arrival, where you have them like communicating just through that 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 barrier and that touch and stuff. And I'm like, it's kind of just like that. It's just, it's almost like Neil comes back a different like person, but not really. Like you know what I mean? Like it's just, no, they say that movie of like you know, he, him being one of the few people who've like broken through the atmosphere, like yeah. looking back on the Earth. It's like I'm one of like ten people that have that experience mm-hmm. and like i don't know how to relate that to you and it like changes your yeah idea of like you know there's a bigger world out there and you're you're it makes you feel so insignificant yeah and it's it, like i say it's almost like it's like an it's like claire foy gets to talk to an alien now um like but and and just the music in this film is fucking beautiful and matched up with the imagery is amazing the song that he plays with his wife when they're dancing which by the way damien chazelle can't not have dancing in his movies guys i don't know if you know this no matter how subtle it is the only thing i and the only thing i thought that would happen is ryan gosling was going to tap dance on that fucking moon which would have been amazing is there dancing in whiplash um, there's music of some kind i guess i don't know well yeah there's music i can't in remember most movies. i can't remember in whiplash <laughs> but going forward he can have nothing but dancing in his movies even in the subtlest way possible and the moment i saw ryan gosling putting on that record i'm like oh shit musical sequence <laughs> um but uh, but that song he plays for his Someone wife. Someone should recut. Like when it comes out, <laughs> take that scene, put the La La Land 
another day in the sun. Um, but no, that actually the the better scene for it is when they're playing music in the in the lander. They hands him that Buzz Aldrin that tape. Yeah, <laughs> puts it in, and that's when you could. Bu- 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 uh, I want to do that with any kind of song possible. Like Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. <laughs> like guys, you hearing this down here? Wu Tang, Wu Tang. <laughs> um, but uh, but that song matched with the image of them bursting through the, the going through the sky and toward the moon is just haunting. Like it's it's. Like I love it. Like the mood of certain movies about space can affect me in a deep way. Like I mean, like I mean, two thousand one does it, but it doesn't always do it. Whereas this film, like, is one of those notes where I'm like, "Ooh, you played a, a, a like a classical song over footage of people going to the moon. It's eerie and it chills my spine." And uh, I love it. And then the cues for the score, like, it's, it's incidental music. Like it doesn't necessarily like motivate the action. Like it's there to support it. If anything else, it's uh, Justin Hurwitz, the guy who did the stuff for La La Land and going from such a broad score to something very intimate and small shows that he has great range. Um, yeah, I, I, I loved it, man. I, we got to find a way to go see it in IMAX and see if they still have those patches available for um, for us to get. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the regret of the biggest regret of this episode, obviously, is that James is not here because then we would have gotten like a four hour explanation on how amazing this film is from top to bottom from him. Uh, but I'm sure we'll hear him talk about it um, in when he's back in town. So, um, yeah, first man. Uh. So next week we're seeing. Um, not quite sure because we're kind of debating between if we should push push Halloween to Halloween and see bad times at the Air Royale or see Halloween and then bad times over Halloween. It's confusing. Or we change it all up and see a Star Is Born two weeks in a row. <laughs> yeah. Good luck convincing everyone to do that. <laughs> Y'all just don't like Lady Gaga. I don't get it. Um, there's there's more interesting stuff out for me. Nothing's more interesting than Lady Gaga, except yeah. for space travel, apparently. <laughs> also, more interesting things than, than a movie that's been remade three times. So, uh, Excuse me. That's a tale as old as time. Song as old as rhyme. Starry is born. I'd, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I would right. I would have missed that week. I I could have. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So well then until next week when we watch whatever the hell we decide upon. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day. <laughs>